Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think it's a reflex at this point. You touch the phone, you check Facebook. Touch the phone, you check Instagram. It's a constant thing. And it's not anything nefarious either. It's it's not, not like there's an old boyfriend out there. It's just, I want to see what other people are doing. I'm like, who cares? Welcome to How To. I'm Amanda Ripley. Today, we're going to kick things off with a quick pop quiz. First, are you listening to me right now through your smartphone? Cool. Makes sense. And tell the truth, were you just scrolling through Twitter or Instagram? Do you find it hard to go even 10 minutes without checking your email or a news feed? What about when you see a beautiful sunset? Do you ever struggle to just be present without taking a picture to tell everyone about it on social media? Okay, so if you answered yes to any of those questions, well, you are definitely not alone and you are in the right place which is why we were so grateful to get this voicemail from a listener in North Carolina. I'm having a really hard time with my wife being addicted to Facebook, uh, constantly wanting to measure up to Facebook, and I can't get her to break that habit. And I don't know what else to do, and that's why I'm calling. This listener asked us to go by the name James, and he'll call his wife Angela. I'm almost 40. Um, I have a wife, uh, Angela, and two kids. Um, we met over Christmas, met, quote unquote, online five oh. years ago. Okay. So the internet has been a blessing and a curse like it has for most of us, it sounds like. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I gave a toast at uh, my buddy's wedding and I said, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see you guys met the old fashioned way, same way we did over the internet. Right. So it's it's been one of those ongoing things. I don't I don't know that addiction's the right word for it, but it is an addiction in the clinical sense that she just is so into social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, she's on it. Equally worrisome for James is how Angela constantly compares herself to other people online. I had compared it to keeping up with the Joneses, you know, just on a ridiculous level. And I think a lot of it sort of affects how um, she feels about our life. And, you know, when you're on Facebook um, and you have 1,500 friends or whatever, pretty much somebody's on vacation 100% of the time. And, mm. you know, it's like you're seeing their best day and um, you can't compare yourself to someone's best day mm -hmm. all the time. 
So there's a, you feel like there's a, a constant, um, sense of not quite measuring up, not measuring up or even just, uh, I mean, bald faced jealousy, uh-huh. just straight uh, up, <laughs> straight, straight up. <laughs> Can you believe they got that car? All right, we're starting to get a sense of, of what you're struggling with. I wonder if we could go back in time for just a second. Can you, you know, describe to me what Angela was like when you met her? And was she as connected to her phone then? We talk about, you know, oh, remember when we were dating and it was so different? We were just locked into each other. Um, very present, very focused on each other, um, you know just enjoying each other's company. I mean, I dated girls that took pictures of their food every meal that they ate. Mm -hmm. And it was like, are you kidding me? And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, "Uh, I don't think this is going to work. Yeah. But Angela wasn't like that. Um, you know, when we were first dating, it sounds like maybe that, you know, you're, you're dealing with a loss as well, like with this constant pull towards the phone. Does it ever feel like, why am I not enough? Yeah. Why can't you put the phone down and, and have a full conversation with me? Yeah. Um, like, why isn't this full life we have enough? Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've, I've said that. Like, why can't you just be here with us? How did she respond when you said that? She goes, I am here. I just had to check my phone. And, and I'm back talking to y'all. Like, what? What? what are you uh-huh. talking about type of thing? Yeah. Or she doesn't you know. see it the way you do. Mm-mm. Question for you. Does she know that we're having this conversation? No, no. It's a very touchy issue. Yeah. And as much as it's about social media and how to sort of wean away from it or not make it a part of daily life. It's also about talking to my wife. On today's show, how to stop keeping up with the Joneses online and spend more time with the people you love in real life. To guide us through this brave new world, we've got one of the foremost experts on how to live a balanced digital life. Don't get distracted. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions, built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. 
a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ah, those were the days. Horse and buggies, dial-up internet. Are you old enough to remember that sound? I certainly am, and so is our expert. 25 years ago, Dr. David Greenfield was a practicing psychologist and marriage counselor who had just bought his first computer. What are we talking about, like a Macintosh 2E, something like that? I don't even know. It was, I mean, it was, you're, we're talking dial-up. Okay. Like, it was like, like, so we're talking really, really slow internet. So, and yet you could already feel that it was seductive? Yes, because, and there was nothing on the internet then. The only thing that, even, even porn was still just getting started back then. <laughs> so it was, but it was, still was captivating. And one of the things my early research found was that all of us distort time when we're online, when we're on screens. There's something about that ex- immersive experience of being in front of a screen that, that allows you to distort the passage of time. Dr. Greenfield founded the Center for Internet and Technology Addiction and was one of the first to learn of the dangers of spending too much time online. You've been thinking about this and worrying about this for since the beginning of the internet. I saw the old People magazine profile, yeah. uh, and it was sort of charming look, reading it, you know, because it was like, wow, people use their phones two hours a day, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It shows me kind of with a net over my head and saying, this is what an internet addict looks like. But really today in 2021, the internet addict is really all of us. Right, it's become totally normalized, right? So no wonder James's wife doesn't feel like she has an addiction. She's just a normal person. Right, she is one of hundreds of millions of people that are doing what she's doing. It's not terribly unusual. And when she has that positive feeling, she's getting a small hit of dopamine. It's reinforcing. And because it's variable and again, not consistent, it's going to compel her to keep doing it. This is why people on dating apps will swipe 4 billion times and why apps like TikTok are incredibly addictive because it's unpredictable what you're gonna see next. Oh, wow. In other words, she may be just doing this sort of on autopilot without realizing it, which is what most of us do, by the way. How many times have you been on autopilot, picking up your phone to just check one specific thing, and next thing you know, 20 minutes has vanished from your life? Dr. Greenfield knows about the pitfalls better than anyone, and this still happens to him. I had to delete TikTok two or three times from my phone before I kind of got rid of it it because it was that addictive to me i i just i couldn't stop looking at it i would open it and i and an hour would go by and if you spend just three hours a day on your screens doesn't matter what you're looking at 
and you start as a child, you know, five to 10 years old, and you live into your 80s, and you sleep eight hours a night, you will spend 10 years of your waking life on that screen. That's three hours a day. At six hours a day, that's 20 years of your waking life. Whoa, no wonder so many of us are bummed out when we see our weekly screen time report, if we can even bear to look at it. Being confronted with just how much time you spend on your phone is kind of mind-blowing. But then again, if we're all doing it, is it really a problem? I keep on wanting to say it's not an addiction, it's not an addiction, but it really is when you think about, you know, it's a compulsion that is is very difficult to break and sort of takes her out of our day-to-day, um, you know, even our fun things uh, become photo opportunities or whatever, you know, a great Facebook yeah. or Instagram post. Well, the issue is, can you record and post your life and still live it simultaneously? And the answer is probably not, you know, because when you live your life from the perspective of what will look good in a, a selfie or an Instagram feed or a Facebook post, it changes your experience of that experience itself. And actually, you take yourself out of the experience. You're the performer and the observer at the same time. Correct. That's exactly right. It's a, you've said it perfectly. You're the performer and the observer. But you can't really be present in anything unless you're consciously there. And you can't consciously be somewhere when you're thinking about how it's going to look or how it, it's going to be received. It, it, it's sort of like the difference between going on a vacation and worrying about photographing everything versus going on the vacation and experiencing the vacation. The more you look through a lens, the less likely you'll, you'll be present. Hmm. So that sounds like uh, validation, um, James, for what you're, what you're feeling. Yep, absolutely. We went to the beach for my daughter's birthday and, you know, it was just the four of us, you know, my wife, my, my two daughters and myself and my mother-in-law and, um, we were opening presents and for a kid to open presents, she, <laughs> my wife had her stop, wait, hold on. Uh, yeah, we're setting them up. There was a backdrop and, it was really to make a photo op out of opening presents. And, you know, I just, in, in some ways, I didn't think it was fair to our daughter, but also thought it was just absolutely ridiculous. She packed to bring to the beach decorations for pictures. So there's something uh, that we talk about in social media addiction called social validation looping which is the idea that our approval and our recognition by the people that look at our posts and comment on them or like them or, you know, respond to them validates us. And then what that does is it gives us a small dopamine hit and that encourages us to do more of it. And it creates a loop that's really endless. And that's the problem with social media is that the more you post, 
the more you look at to see how your posts are reacted to, and then the more you post. And you have to remember that that is the game of social media. The game of social media is to keep your eyes on screen and you're paying with the one thing you can't get more of and that has a limit, which is your time. Yeah. That's purposely designed. That is, that is designed by social media to keep you on or keep your wife on in this case. Right. right. And it's, it's a poll. It's like a... Yeah, well, because it's, it's a poll because neurologically she's getting a hit of a primitive reward chemical that is linked to our evolutionary biology. This is part of the addiction reward system that everybody has. And when you get re- intermittent reinforcement via responses to your social media posts, you are in a sense getting a hit of a digital drug. Huh. I mean, it certainly feels, I will say, speaking for myself, it does feel like a bit of an addiction. Like I'll notice, you know, I'm a writer, I work in isolation a lot of the times, and I'll, I'll find myself, you know, just without even thinking, going to my email or going to Twitter. And it's like, I'm looking for connection. I'm looking for, maybe it's dopamine. I don't know. Don't forget, dopamine is part of the limbic system of the brain, the animal part of the brain that's millions of years old. It's not the cognitive cortical part of the brain that, you know, is thinking. So yes, you'll pick up your phone. People will pick up their phone 50 to 300 times a day to check it. Now, I can assure you they don't need to do that. And because it's variable reinforcement, essentially the internet becomes the world's largest slot machine. Yeah. Here's our first insight. This is not our fault. It's not Angela's fault. We are outgunned right now, as we keep being reminded by every headline and congressional hearing, thousands of very smart people at some of the richest companies in the world are spending all day, every day, designing ways to capture and recapture our attention, to distract us from leaving, to give us little injections of dopamine. Dr. Greenfield noticed the magnetism of these machines way back when they were on our desktops. Now we've got supercomputers in our pocket at our bedside all the time. So how can James possibly compete with that? Not unlike any problem in a relationship, obviously there has to be communication about it. I think no judgment, no, you know, have some empathy that this is something that's important to her. And and the thing is, you really want to talk about how it affects you when she does it, not that what she's doing is wrong. Because the minute you tell what, that somebody's doing something wrong, they're going to become defensive and they're going to feel like you're critiquing them or criticizing them. And then you really, the game is over. You can't really hope to achieve any change at that point. So you have to find a way to communicate how it's impacting you and, and that you miss her and that you miss her being present, but not in a critical sense. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I never thought of it with the, you know, the lack of judgment, the, you know, the empathy and the like. I, I understand that it's something not that you just enjoy, but it's become part of your life. And, so, and sort of saying, hey, you know, I get it. The, the, the. James, how if you were to, to describe to your wife how it affects you, like Dr. Greenfield suggested, what might that sound like? What might you say? 
it uh, it takes me out of a joyful moment. It takes me out of um, enjoying just our presence together, and uh, you know it. It takes our eyes off of each other's eyes. Um, and yeah, I think those are that's very well yeah. said. And and you know you throw uh, our two wonderful girls into the mix, and it and it becomes truly. Um, we're missing something because these moments, um, while they're being captured, uh, it's taking us out of those moments. Um, and we're not going to get them again. We're not going to have them again. I think that that's the one, if you can say that with a sort of warm and loving approach, maybe she can hear you, you know, she can hear the fact that it's done out of love and out of wanting to have her present with you and the children together and to have you enjoy your experiences together. Absolutely. Right. It's not done out of judgment or condescension. It's more like I miss you. Yeah. I love how you said that. It takes your eyes away from my eyes. Yeah. I like that actually. So we've helped James understand his wife's behavior with a little more compassion, which is the first step. And the next step is for him to try to tell her how her behavior is affecting him, without judgment. Hopefully he can find a way to make that hearable. But even if he does, then what? Let's say Angela realizes she may have a problem with excessive phone use. How does she start to solve it? How do any of us? Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On Death, Sex, and Money, we feature interviews with you, our community of listeners, getting honest about uncomfortable things. I developed an illness where it isn't safe for me to drive. A friend once said to me, sex is like air. You don't think about it until you're not getting enough. This is a similar sort of thing if you just replace sex with driving. Listen to Death, Sex, and Money wherever you get podcasts. We're back with our listener, James, and our expert, David Greenfield. Remember how this all started? Here's a young Mark Zuckerberg, as portrayed by Jesse Eisenberg in the movie The Social Network. People want to go on the internet and check out their friends, so why not build a website that offers that friends, pictures, profiles, whatever you can 
visit, browse around. Maybe it's someone you just met at a party. But I'm not talking about a dating site. I'm talking about taking the entire social experience of college and putting it online. I, I think back on uh, the social network, uh, the movie about the found, the founder yeah. of Facebook. He started. He almost started it as a nasty thing, comparing girls and and all this type yes, of stuff. Yes, yeah. And yeah. it's become, right. uh, you know, normalized. But at the same time, isn't that sort of still the process? Isn't that sort of, hey, I'm put kind of. I mean, kind of. I'm putting this out there. What do you guys think? I don't know if this was in that movie or not. I can't recall. It might have been. You know, you remember they talked about the development of the like button, that that was actually not originally part of Facebook. And it was an employee who came up with the idea that if you put a like button on the site so people could rank and rate and acknowledge posts, that increased their utilization substantially. Because that, then you have that social validation part, and that becomes a reinforcing loop. Does, is that how your wife grew up? Like, did she have to look a certain way and have everything oh. in the house look perfect? And was there pressure on her? She was, uh, she was voted best dressed of her high school class. Okay. Um, okay. She, you know, in a very small rural town, um, she was sort of, one of those it girls and she, she had the newest car uh-huh. and the latest clothes and all that stuff. And so, so she was like a popular girl. She was one of the cool girls. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's a good feeling. That's a big part of your identity, right? Like mm-hmm. to be like the it girl. And then also everyone's watching. It's like being a, in like in the Royal family, yeah. sort of like, yeah. <laughs> you can't just, oh. you know, you can't just go on vacation because you have to have, make sure you have the right bathing suit and the right hat and the right big sunglasses and everything looks right. right. And, Cause you know, the paparazzi's there. Right. Does she care if you like her posts online? You know what I mean? If you, by like, I mean, click the like button. <laughs> right. She, she said to me, you didn't like my post. I said, no, I told mm. you I liked it. And she's like. But you didn't you didn't click like under my post. Uh, she's in the metaverse and you're here in the universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if it's more, sometimes more pernicious for, for girls and women because, I mean, I'm thinking about the women's magazines I used to read when I was a teenager, you know, 17 and Cosmo. And um, and then I read this study about how after women read, read those magazines, they always felt worse about themselves. Yeah. Well, that's what the data, that is what the data is showing specifically around uh, teens and Instagram. And there's been some significant research on the negative impact of these because people are comparing themselves to the images that they see, just like you did in those magazines. Right. And the difference is the magazine ends at some point. Like there are only so many pages. Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) Right. right. So one of the things about the internet that makes it completely different than any form of media or information ever before is that there are no boundaries. There's no beginning. There's no middle. There's no end. So when are you done? Do you recommend setting up boundaries at home? Absolutely. Like how do you and your wife manage this? Do, do you have like sort of a no phone policy at dinner? Or? Yeah, you you have to – if you do not develop a mindful plan for how to manage screen tech today, you will become inundated by it and it will absorb your life. If you don't manage your screens, they will absolutely manage you. Uh, Otherwise, they will control your life. 
Well, it reminds me of, for various reasons that we don't have to go into, I was recently watching a show with Ice-T, the uh, rapper, you may remember, um, and he was saying how his wife is like a huge influencer online, and they have a rule where they get home, uh, they put away their phones, because otherwise it becomes like there's a third person in the marriage, you know, like there's, because both of them have big, you know, social media <laughs> presences, and, um, and it, so they literally put them in a drawer at like 9 p.m. and that's it. I mean, I wonder, James, if there's an opportunity now that your daughter has a phone, your 12-year-old, you know, to, to sort of create a family media plan and come up with some joint uh, agreed upon <laughs> rules. Yeah, I'm. I, the first thing that came to mind, uh, some of the best conversations we've ever had are in the car. And if we can, and that sort of influences our uh, oldest daughter as well to to sort yeah. of be like, hey, um, they they want to spend some time with me, um, but it's got to be discussed ahead of time, and it it's got to be a plan and intentional. Uh, it can't just be a, mm-hmm. all right, we're in the car, everybody, put your phones up. I've had it, you know. Right, right. You can make that sort of a conscious plan, but if you don't set it and you know, and then follow it, it won't happen. Like you have to say, oh. You know, okay, well, how about if we spend 50% of our time in the car together, you know, have it as no phone time. Mm -hmm. Here's another thing to try. Since the Internet knows no boundaries, you have to create them. Here are some of the ones I've found work well for me. Not all the time, but most of the time. And I actually wrote these down, by the way, because I knew I would conveniently forget them. No phones at the dinner table. Obviously, that's just basic manners at this point. Turn off all notifications, all of them. And then spend 10 bucks on an old school alarm clock so you don't have to keep your phone on your nightstand. For me, my biggest weakness these days is checking email when I really should be writing. So I use a browser extension that shuts down access to specific sites for an hour or two at a time. Essentially, it just removes the temptation for me. I mean, the truth is, the research is pretty clear. People that leave social media do not miss it. And in fact, um, ultimately, people who leave social media report higher life satisfactions. Hmm. They actually report a more positive experience. Uh, And in fact, I used to use social media. I I mean, I, I have all of those sites. I will occasionally look at them, but for the most part, I don't post on them. And the reason why I don't post is because I know that then I'm going to want to see if anyone's looking at my posts and then I'm going to want to post more. The kind of social connection you get on social media isn't very nutritious. It doesn't have that potency. And in fact, the word social media is really kind of an oxymoron. It, it, there's not, it's not really social. It's kind of antisocial in a way. It doesn't really... <laughs> build connections in the way that people purport. I mean, I'm not saying you can't have positive experiences on social media and it can't provide opportunities to interact in in positive ways, but I don't think it really creates the kind of social connection that is is nutritious as real-time connection. This is an important insight. Don't be hard on yourself for wanting social connection. That is really healthy. The problem is you won't get it most of the time, from social media. We want to leave James with a little hope here. (laughs) Have you ever seen a a patient who was really struggling with a a 
tendency to just be online all the time and then got better? Of course. People get better all the time. The capacity for people to change is inherent. And the capacity for people to develop new patterns and new habits of behavior are wired into our nervous system. We, Our brains are neuroplastic. Sometimes that requires a little help. Sometimes you have to do it with some motivation from an outside source. But absolutely, there's hope. People change all the time. And again, how you communicate is critical. It has to be done in a very loving, thoughtful way. If you, if you criticize the person who you're trying to help change, that defensiveness will block any change. Do you think it's possible, James, that she also misses those weekends that you two used to have together when you were long distance and dating, um, when you were really, really just totally looking into each other's eyes? Do you think she misses that too? Absolutely. We've got to get back to where we once were. The more we do face-to-face and the more we do, you know, our interaction without the glow of a phone, uh, it's a lot better. Thank you to James for sharing his story with us. We'll be thinking of you and Angela and hoping for the best. And to Dr. David Greenfield for all his useful advice. We'll link to his website in the show notes. If you found this episode useful, you definitely want to check out our previous episode entitled How to Put Down Your Phone, which is full of other tips for living a balanced digital life. Do you have a problem that needs solving? Send us a note at howto at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. We'd love to have you on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please give us a rating and a review and tell a friend. That helps us help more people. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rosemary Belson produces the show. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown, remixed by Merritt Jacob, our technical director. Special thanks to Amber Smith and Kevin Bendis. Charles Duhigg created the show. I'm Amanda Ripley. Thank you for listening and have a safe and happy new year. In other words, we could all use a little less Facebook and a lot more FaceTime. I was trying to think of some other, like in, a little less Instagram and a little more Instapot. No. A little less Fortnite and a little more date night. A little less Snapchat and a little more chit chat. <laughs>